I am the master, and you will obey me. Listen to Dan Hadley on Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, or face the consequences. for Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast from the Spacebook for the Fandom Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hartley, Birmingham's King of the Geeks and your designated driver. Now, uh, it could be you're new to the show. Good choice for you. But it's just as likely you've been aboard before. Well, whichever, with a guaranteed free-speaking, big-thinking, eclectic and eccentric show for everyone. Whatever decade or century you started watching, reading, or listening along to the ongoing adventures of our hero, Doctor Who, we talk about it all on this show. All views are encouraged, and there's even uh, time and space for a few laughs along the way. So come and step into our TARDIS and share this journey together here with us on Type 40. <laughs> Welcome back to Type 40. If you've got a nose as, as big as, say, a Camionite, for example, you'll be uh, loving the fact that this is another one of our discussions of discovery here on Type 40 with the assistance of our frequently asked questions about time travellers. We're going to have a, a poke and a prod, a ramble and a roam through the mental pathways of a fellow Doctor Who fan. <laughs> if you've ever sat and wondered about the simpler things in the average Doctor Who fan's life, as I think we all have, you know, does everybody feel the same way as I do, or am I the outlier? This is the strand, this is the show for you. When we think back on our own connections with this show, sometimes, particularly when you've been into it for a number of years or even decades, there are things about it that can build up and we can commit them to our own history and they can gather dust, can't they? Well, this is our way of rattling the drawers and kicking up that dust with a friend and a fellow Fan. This time I'm delighted to welcome aboard one of the very first guests we ever had on Type 40, way back on episode 24, believe it or not, when we talked at length about the uh, the adventures or the misadventures of uh, River Song. We've spoken quite a lot in the time in between, but he's never been able to make it back on the show. 
the frequently asked questions with a perfect uh, frame to uh, to tempt him in with. Okay, it's time to put it right as I welcome back to Type 40. Christian Basil. I know, right? That Hadley bloke is taking forever. He <laughs> is just keeps blah, 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 and that oh, UK no, time frame must no. be third. Oh, sorry. I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know better than I do how time flies when you ramble on. I know. Welcome to <laughs> Doctor Who podcasting. It's Everybody. a big, big, big fandom, isn't it? You've done more talking than most, though, haven't you, on your show? How many episodes of The Legend of the Traveling Tardis have there been out now? Really? Uh, here's the thing. And, uh, just, uh, I guess we can go into the background. We've only gotten we go. to about 150. It's not my first uh, podcast I've been on. I've been no. on other podcasts. I've been helping out with other podcasts. I've been a guest on other podcasts. But uh, for us, I think we're up to 153. Where are you at? You're at 200, it's, right? It's not your first rodeo, is it? We are yeah, somewhere the in the now. early 100s. Well, I don't know, because we record these out of sync, so I'm not exactly sure where this is going to land. <laughs> we are... Well over 100. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, yeah. that's oh, it. One of the things about Doctor Who podcasts is ever see a Whovian who has who is a podcaster, ask him this question and be prepared to sit in a room for three hours. What is Doctor Who? <laughs> they, he had a go at me for rambling earlier on, everybody. This is going to be yeah, I know. the most verbose joke. <laughs> We have ever put out. I was just out. talking to a friend. <laughs> <laughs> so hold yeah. tight. But the thing is with this, though, Christian, that even you, as much talking as you've done, to all those people that you've met, and you have met just about everybody, there are still, like believe it or not, there are still a few, uh, a few, a few pesky little gaps in your data extract. They've got the little stars next to them. You see, it's very, very curious, and they need filling in. We're going to attempt to do all of that to keep the uh, keep the time lords off your okay. case with time 40 type 40 to frequently ask questions my mug either so i know what you're talking about that's why I put the <laughs> up there. you can relax don't stress you are amongst fellow companions and fans there are no wrong answers and no one is on trial christian that's what you've got to remember as we oh, go okay. forward well that takes the fun out of it <laughs> So that's all coming up, but if you'd like to do some real-time traveling of your own, each and every edition of this show, past, present, and future, is just a tap or two away on the device of your choice if you know where to look. There's dozens of great conversations, reviews, previews, interviews, geek outs, and deep dives with all our regular panelists. We know there's something for every fan at type40.podbean.com. There'll be more about all of that a little later on, as well as a couple of minutes where we make contact with the matrix of all knowledge that we call the Fandom Podcast Network for a word about all the other cult conversations that are going on on all the other shows over there. When I first started on this, first of all, I got to give a special thank you to Garrett Palmiter of The Hanging With Web Show and my friend Gene Turnbow over at sci-fi.radio. They were the ones who gave who said it's time care goes into a room because i was working with him i was his co-host for a short amount of time on the hanging with show and he goes i think it's time for you and we're just like what do you mean he goes N- you should do your own podcast you, you, you there's enough people who've been wanting you to do this let's do this and i was like no 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 i i, I always interpretate this when i've been on other podcasts i kind of like the comfort of being the bernie Toppin to the elton john so I always like being in the background, being the supportive cast. I've never been somebody who's taken over. So if I sit in the corner and you know I say my thing, it's like I want Elton John to get all the recognition. But just remember, there is a Bernie Taupin who just keeps things going. 
and I didn't mind being in the shadows of things. <clears throat> it's not that I don't believe you. It's just you've got one of those voices. You've got one of those really relaxing voices, Christian, that it's so easy you. to listen to. Oh, well, thank you. But, you, uh, you know, it's... I believe that if you could tell me that the world was about to end in five minutes, but because of because of the tone of your voice, I'd probably turn around and think, you know, you know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, the world is going to end in five minutes, but you'll be just <laughs> fine. Oh, just imagine where this one's going to go when we open that uh, the casket marked it's, frequently uh... asked questions now. Okay, we're going to get started now. I mean, you the have general... an intro for that? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Mate, I've got an intro for everything. Okay, the, the general principle is that Doctor Who fans being such as we are when we congregate, you know, you may meet other fans via any one of a number of ways. You, know, you may meet them through friends or at work, through a dedicated sort of hub of, that's designed to bring fans of all things geeky together. It doesn't really matter how we meet one another. You know, there's a, a sort of exchange as we weigh each other up. But really quite quickly, we weighed, we sort of refer back to one set of questions, don't we? The frequently asked questions about Doctor Who, a bit like the Terminator when he gets that readout in his head or Robocop to equate one another, to, to weigh one another up about where we stand. And I think the first one, the most obvious of the more Christian, is oh. Doctor, Doctor When. Where were you? How old were you? And how did you become aware that there was even a thing out there called Doctor Who? Oh, 1970s, something, um, probably late 70s. Uh, when I go to panels, I tell people I'm a creature of PBS. That's when I first was introduced to Doctor Who. And yeah. the character was this guy with a hat, big teeth, floppy hair, big scarf. And unknowingly, I could not, you know, I've had heroes in, in, in you know, growing up, you know, and, and watching TV yeah. and just and movies like Christopher Reeve as Superman, Linda Carter as Wonder Woman, the Transformers, the GoBots. We don't talk about them. Um, <laughs> and then we've had other shows, but here's this one show in the middle of a channel that I don't frequently watch mm. uh, because this, you know, it was. Uh, it was Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers, 321 Contact, Electric Company. And then all of a sudden, here comes this show that I was really hooked on called Doctor Who. I don't remember the first episode. I tell people it's robot. I'm going to be honest on this show. For, um, and I'm always <laughs> I'm always honest, but it's just I like I, I've always been embarrassed that I hadn't known what the first one. So I always say it was robot, which might be the truth. But I just remember it was Tom Baker and Sarah Jane Smith. This is the weird part about things when people I'm. I'm Filipino. Uh, the reason why I say that is because people have said that they don't see themselves on TV unless it looks like them, which is kind of a strange thing for me because here was this British guy with big teeth, big eyes, and I easily related to his character better than anything else that I ever saw on TV. He had no weapons. He was quick-witted. He always had that off sense of humor and that wildly-eyed stare that just like... Is he really insane? <laughs> and I related <laughs> to him. He didn't look like me, but his personality and things that I wanted to attain to, because I thought, you know, as a kid, Asian, I, I don't want to get that stereotype, but I, I thought myself as kind of book smart, always wanted to be street smart. And I found a character on TV that I related to. This was Do the you one think it's the classic, the classic thing, though, that I hear... In fact, I've been hearing it for decades now, that the Doctor is an outsider and 
he relates to other outsiders. And you could be an outsider for any one of a number of reasons. This is why I suppose um, you know, children, loners, children who aren't good at sports and they get left, they get picked last in the, in the playground games or whatever, or kids who prefer to read would rather be yeah. alone in the library. Or it could be uh, I, children who are growing up who are gay and, and who haven't realised yet or come out yet. Doctor Who tends to speak to them. Various different outsiders in various sections of society. And the Doctor seems to sort of open those, those blue doors. It's and... a possibility, but when I was a kid, Doctor Who was not a thing. You didn't mention it. It was never brought across. And I actually, for one year, uh, made a Doctor Who costume. I actually had a long scarf. I had a, a robe that had like... Um, like a Sherlock Holmes kind of deal. It was just a bathroom, but it was just so it was designed. And I found a hat and I wore it to school and everybody was like, oh, Doctor Who. Oh, oh, oh. And I was like, well, people know about it. but So people recognized who you were supposed to be. Yeah, I didn't surprise and get the crap kicked out of me for bringing it to school. I think it made me a stronger person to realize, you know what, this is kind of what life is. It, it, you, you do have your love and passions, but... It's up to you how you want to make your love and passions grow. And people are going to be out there. I mean, I meant 2021. I meant the, you know, you say something out there and people are going to ridicule for it, even if it's nothing to do with anything that you mention or say. This is constantly happening. Somebody will say something on Twitter, be misinterpreted, and 200 people will jump on them. And <laughs> like, what's no different than that kid who tried to put on a costume, walk around his school, and got taunted? I mean, it's. You know, you become the bully and you don't even know it. That's the yeah, sad it's like part a big virtual playground. Yeah, yeah I, I think know. you're right. The more I think about that. Yeah. But the thing was, not only did social media open, it opened up the people that I went to school with and they were Hoovians and they could not do the same thing I could because it wasn't popular. It wasn't something that be said. And I was so happy when 2005 hit because I went onto the convention circuit later on and now I can tell kids growing up today about the kid who put his costume in the closet and never got to be seen again, because those kids now are opening up that closet and putting on that costume with pride. And by the so way, so you feel that it's brought, this has brought you full circle almost in your, in your life, the timing in, of it. In a case, yeah, I meant 2012 as a goof. It was it was really uh, just like a hobby at the time. I went on Amazon, put up the words Tardis diecast. And bought this for 75 bucks, including shipping. Okay, so tell us exactly what that is. That is the traveling... Well, this is a police box that I bought 10 years ago. May 19th this year, uh, Dan, will be the 10th anniversary of this blue box starting... And a very fine blue box it and is, And a very too. fine blue box. And you notice it's been, uh, it's been a little bit distorted. Uh, I, I intentionally got it as a uh, die cast because it, I've dropped it a few times... And um, when I bought it, it went through a lot. I mean, the paint, if you notice it, it's not got its original blue paint because it kept falling off, so I couldn't even keep it up. So, Chrissy... It's, um, it's given it this sort of wonderful pewter. When it was painted, it kept falling off because it didn't have what it called a primer. It wouldn't absorb, oh, yeah. so it kept chipping and chipping and chipping. One day, she just went over there and just cut it off, and then I took it to Downtown Disney. If you look at some of the pictures, when it was blue... It was a silhouette. So it was just the outline of the TARDIS. Later on, when I took the picture and I, it absorbed the light. So now it became the character. You could actually now see the TARDIS. And it is so cases, distinctive, Christian. I didn't it, realize it was effectively a bespoke item. 
that albeit accidentally is unique it, to you and to your your adventures my legend i guess for a minute. Legend. Yeah, yeah when i yeah. when, from, when from, I, from that has grown has grown all of this 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 identity and this album of incredible uh, photography of that little blue sort of slightly metallic box held by the great and the good and and just anybody really who can who takes the time to have their picture taken with it and you aren't they it's it can be people from the tv shows and the movies that we all watch or cosplayers and general fans it's this is what i like about what you do it's all very very inclusive like it's it is literally open to all in the true sense of the word of exclusive inclusivity well, I love uh, the fact that when I first started taking a picture of it at the conventions all so long ago, I had to beg cosplayers. Like, you know, I had to ask people. I wouldn't say beg, but I asked people at the time. You come full circle around the 10th year, now I go to conventions, and everybody's asking me, can I get my picture with the TARDIS? And not only that, but if you look to the left, and I'm not insulting the Predator, but that's what used to happen. They would hold the TARDIS, take a picture, and that was it. There was nothing to it. They're now being more interactive. Now they're taking their cosplay, their story, their geekdom, and they're melding it with their with their storyline. There's a ton of pictures of this on the on the traveling. That program. element of performance that's exactly. coming through in, in cos because cosplay has um, evolved so much in the last ten years, hasn't it? Not just in how elaborate it is. And yeah. that's one of the things I mentioned about geekdom nowadays because when it comes to like geekdom, when you go to the conventions, you see all these things like. You'll see the fourth doctor playing, you know, soccer with uh, Captain Kirk, and there's Captain Maul in the corner trying to capture the ball. I mean, all this. You couldn't do this with something like a sports team. I mean, like the Dolphins and the 49ers. If they were playing, everybody's separated. They're all got their faces painted. They're all wearing their favorite jersey colors. There's not a mixture of love. You know, it's supposed to be a competitive event. But when you get to something like a convention, they're taking their geek and their passion, their love, and they're going out there, you know, un, unrestrictive, you know, in the same way that I wore that outfit to school and then got mocked and went back. Now they're not being mocked. They're being celebrated. If you could cosplay some as one Doctor Who figure now, who would that be? I don't cosplay. I've uh, shamed myself <laughs> out of cosplay. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've asked people. One person, one person where the people who were out there, were you in some sort of costume and everybody else, no one need even know it was you. It was just your secret. Would there be anything? Of course, four, because he started everything. I might even do uh, six. I do love that outfit. I've grown to love it. I hated it at first, but it was just like I'd grown to love it because it's just sack tacky and completely whacked out. I have cosplayed once. I actually have a friend. Her name is uh, I'm the cosplay weird woman, cosplay and modeling. Her, her real name is Lauren. I said I was going to do it for once because I was invited to an actual cosplay convention, and the heads of the convention got mad. And it's like, why aren't you cosplaying? Out of a whim, I decided the simplest thing I could cosplay was Rimmer from Red Dwarf. So I got the H, I got the spirit gum, and I wore it. And Lauren said. I love you so much that I am going to cosplay as Lister if you go as Rimmer. And she did. She fulfilled that obligation. That's friendship and, for you. Yep. And we went. Nobody knew who the hell we were, but I didn't care. And I was uh, I was Rimmer. And I acted like Rimmer. And I did the salute. And it was just all in good fun. And I'm just like, now I kind of get the idea of what this cosplay is. But I haven't put back a cosplay on since. But, when you talked about growing up watching Doctor Who, and, and it was always on PBS... 
was it always in rotation? So did they start at the Tom Baker years and did it always get up to a certain point and then go back to the Tom Baker yeah. years? <laughs> yes, right that was another through? story. See, this is where I, I'm actually okay with when I was growing up because when I grew up, Tom Baker is all I knew. It started at Robot. He falls off a tower at, at Legopolis, turns into this blonde, and it starts all over. I thought that was Doctor Who. I had no idea, thanks to PBS, that that wasn't the case. But because that was all they were showing, that's all they could afford. Then, I guess they got, got into a large sum of money because all of a sudden, there was an episode that they were doing, a premiere of a special called The Five Doctors. Yeah, let that sink into a kid who's only known one doctor and not knowing it was the fourth Blow doctor. Your mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And here comes the blonde, and they show Castro Valva, and it was like, oh, when does he turn curly hair again? Because I don't like this guy. He took my doctor away. It brought me back to watching, when they finally got enough money, to watch the classic who, the first, the second, and the third, John, Patrick, and, and William. Now, of course, I'm a kid growing up in the 80s, so those black and white films don't impress me, and I fell asleep during the time. But, uh, and uh, only to be fair, because I was a kid, I loved watching Doctor Who, but I always yeah. fall asleep because they put the episode as one. It didn't like separate it into like 30 minute or 45 minute episodes with the cliffhanger. It was like I watched the whole thing. Uh, if I didn't fall asleep, I, you know, it was Saturday. So, you know, you, you've done. mentioned wow. that you came to the show pretty much with, well, you're not sure which story, but with Tom. By extension, though, and you've talked about Tom a few times, but that doesn't necessarily mean that just because somebody is your first doctor, that they are your favorite doctor, that it's your doctor. So who is? Have you got a specific doctor you call my doctor? Is, Still is Tom. it Tom or is it somebody else? Still Tom, and it will never be. There, I mean, there will never probably be another. People have come very close. But my gateway drug is the person who, um, who I relate to the most. I mean, when you see other, like when, when uh, Christopher Eccleston came to the episode, the first thing he was talking about was, I want a word with Tom Baker. <laughs> you know, yeah. it seems to be like the, like, he seemed to be like the template of when it started to become an international icon. Now, it might start at Pertwee, but it didn't get to me until Tom Baker. And that's how I see through the eyes of Doctor Who, because Tom was my first doctor. Tom set the mold for me as far as what the character is today and i think if you see this with even the current generation you know a lot of people recognize that floppy scarf and that 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 curly hair and, and is that still hair. the case because obviously 10 years ago through exposure on netflix mm -hmm. doctor who hit as big as it ever has in the states when matt smith was playing the part in america is it still the main guy when you go up to most people and say doctor who would they still immediately think of tom baker I would think, well, my generation thinks so. I think with the newer generation, you're, because it's now had a, a more of a 10-year longevity and you've had like five doctors play the role six, if you want to count uh, John Hurt, there's been some time that's passed. Mm -hmm. So now the new generation has their doctor, and it normally is where they they started everything. Uh, but my favorite new who is... Peter Capaldi, not only as an actor, but as a person as well. And I've argued that this has said he's a fan of the fans, and you can tell. He loves geeking out with the fans. He and seems to wear those colors very, very proudly. I've yes. never met Peter, but everybody I know who has always says the same thing. He's very much one of us. I got a picture with him with the TARDIS. I walked up to him, held him the TARDIS, 
walked away, and he looks at me just like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> His first words are like, I said, do whatever you want to do. Do whatever comes to mind out there. Express yourself. Basically. Express yourself. And he goes, do what you do best. And without skipping a beat, he did something like this with the TARDIS. He did the thing. He did the he, Capaldi thing. He did the Capaldi and thing. I, I've seen the picture. It is a great picture, but I think people will know simply by your gestures and by us describing it for people listening, they'll know exactly what it is it's, that you're it's, talking about. It's one of the most popular traveling TARDIS pictures, but there's another story behind that because I grabbed the TARDIS, started walking away, and Peter goes, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> he literally grabs me by the shirt, pulls me back in and goes, you're getting a picture with me. <laughs> <laughs> so the people at the convention the people who are running the, the the photo booth have no idea what's going on because he's demanding that i get a second picture with him in the picture it's the boss and that picture is i i haven't put it online I, I i keep that one to myself peter capaldi inadvertently gave me a two-for-one at that convention <laughs> And he insisted that I take a picture with him because he thought, you know, he didn't want to, he wanted me to be part of it. That was the moment that I solidified that ideology when it comes to Peter. I mean, this is no discredit to the other people who played the doctor, but I mean, I, I have a connection with Peter when it comes to the fandom. Even though I haven't really truly met the guy face to face, I haven't really like sat down and talked to him like we're doing right now. I mean, there are, there are people, I mean, Russell T. Davis, for one, who insists that uh, people either identify as the Doctor and want to be the Doctor, mm -hmm. or when they watch Doctor Who, they identify with the Companion. I mean, that's what the Companions were created for, and they want to be swept away in the TARDIS. So with that in mind, let's look uh, take a look at the Doctor's various best friends, those Companions. Can you possibly, out of all those decades, all those combinations, can you nail down? Have you got a favourite companion or combination of companions? Do you and do you think that it works best as one Doctor, one companion, or have you no problem at all with the crowded TARDIS thing, two or three people? I think when it came to Jodie, she should have just had one companion because people were getting used to her. So I think one companion should have been enough. The, 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 having multiple companions and trying to get used to the first female Doctor. I think threw everything off because it didn't put the focus completely on her and people were kind of liking Graham and such. I mean, you could say they did the same back in 82 with Peter mm -hmm. Davison and it's arguable as to whether that worked or not. I think it did work for the most part, considerably better than it, than, uh, it worked in, in 2018. But obviously there were teething problems there too. And, and... Well, he was inherited those companions. Those, mm. what, what happened is, wasn't an entire new cast coming in all you, at once. You start with one doctor, especially if it's going to be a brand new doctor, get people uh, comfortable with that doctor. Try to, you know, through the one companion. And then you can add more later on once, you know, we, we understand yeah. the characters. The only time that it kind of worked for me counter to that would have been Tom Baker because Harry Sullivan was a nice little third wheel in that little thing because he was kind of the... The reality of things it's like doctor no 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 you can't do that no 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 you know that's you know you know that's not supposed because to be happening because sarah would kind of encourage him and harry would be the one saying hey, have you two really thought about this about exactly what you're about to do exactly because sarah knew the doctor and she looked through everything through the doctor's eyes but hardly ever saw a thing from harry's because she kind of left that life when she first uh, 
came onto the scene, she was. Um, people don't know this, and this is what drives me insane when they when they talk about feminism. Sarah Jane was the first true kind of feminist, you know, and she really took the third doctor to task. I don't well, know whether that came from Barry Letts or whether it came in the conversations between Tom and Liz, even though he was the great intellect. Mm -hmm. I got the impression there was more mutual respect there and a kinship there than there'd ever been before. That's not mean, meaning to say that I think the previous combinations didn't work. They they did, but they had their own parameters and they had their own their own remit as the audience kind of evolved with, with the show. Well, well, Katie Manning's Joe Grant kind of started that wave. But because her, I guess her story ran out. Impishness that she brought out in, in Pertwee's exactly. Doctor. Yeah, I see what you mean. Exactly. Yeah. It started that way, but it came full on to Sarah Jane. But Sarah Jane, you know, kind of pulled, you know, went further. And then as soon as she got with Tom, she kind of pulled it back. In fact, I was watching Robot again. And there's one scene that actually caught me off guard. I forgot the doctor's name, but there's a female and a male in front of her. And sarah jane assumes that the male is the doctor and the female character chastises sarah jane going like i didn't know you know you were a big or you know a bigotry or whatever she really chastises and it turns out the female was the doctor she was referring to so backfired kind of on sarah that's when she goes bit. to think tank isn't it in in robots yes dr winters something like that I could pull it up. I mean, I got a split second. I but. know who she's played by. She's played by Dennis Waterman's wife, <laughs> oh. his wife at the time. Can't, can't tell you anything else. But going back to your question, my favorite companion would probably be Sarah Jane Smith until I was very upset when I heard that Nardle was going to return in Dr. Mysterio. Because after what I saw in the Husbands of Rivers, I'm like, are you serious? You're going to bring Mac Lucas back as Nardle, as a companion, and this is supposed to work. I was exactly the same, Christian. And I was pleasantly wrong. I will openly say that because the scene where uh, Capaldi walks in and he's talking about the map on the screen with the with the journalist woman, and he's going, "Oh, they're going all over the capital cities," and Nardle just walks in eating, going, "No, they're not." <laughs> I'm like, "What just happened?" It's quite a even though some of the some of the moments that because Matt Lucas he's hardly an actor known for his subtlety. Yeah. He's not that kind of performer. Oh, yeah. He's a physical little, comedian. And I yet, when he Brit. dials that character back, it works so beautifully. Well, we don't get to see the... He, he was kind of, like a, a kind of like a joke character, a one-off character in The Husbands of Riversong. But once he brought it in, and, and uh, Moffat, which I didn't appreciate at the time with Dr. Mysterio, brought in this script, you know, I was, oh, God, now he's talking about Marvel and DC. Now Doctor Who's got to do it. So I didn't... I was kind of negative on that. But I lost the appreciation of what was really happening in the story by that. And Nardle brought back what I was missing for the longest time, which only has been seen a couple of times. He brought back the buddy buddy with Nardle. You saw two yeah. and Jamie back. You saw four oh, and yeah. Sarah Jane back. You saw um, 10 and Donna back. It was the buddy buddy. There was no romance. And what I appreciate about Nardle but is... There, there he, was that kind of that class structure thing going on there too i think it felt like uh, the pg woodhouse uh jeeves and worcester almost mm -hmm. but they would flip even that so even though it looked like nardar was in service to the doctor mm -hmm. he'd also got something on the doctor because no, he was keeping him in check yeah because he didn't have the companion to keep him in check now if you notice there were those scenes where he's dressed up in this egyptian garden he's flying the tardis I'm like, what the heck? And, you know, the doctor pulls a lever and Nardle throws it back. 
So, uh, but one of my favorite scenes of my top ten favorite scenes is a scene from um, uh, Veritas. I think that was it. Um, the the book of Veritas, where Missy's about to be executed, and Nardo comes in as a monk, and he goes, "I've been given permission by your wife to kick your ass." <laughs> was just, he knows where the doctor lies. I think as far as his reputation, he is the space god, as my friend puts it. He is the space god, but he knows when not to cross that line because he knows when the doctor goes off, he goes. But he knows that he wants to support him. He loves him. But he also knows when not to cross the line. Let's move on and talk about the, the real stars of, of Doctor Who, Christian. We are told by many <laughs> people are, in fact, the monsters and the villains. This is, I suppose, the, the lowest hanging fruit of them all. Do you have a favorite Doctor Who monster? And if so, who would it be? I think uh, Michael Grade was the worst monster in Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> so we um, have your answer. You've gone, you're going for the Daleks? Um, no, I don't because I used to ooh, love the Daleks, ooh, ooh. but they've just been overplayed so much. Um, are we talking monsters, villains, or are we doing a combination of both? Either or, whichever. Okay. The Valyard. The Valyard. I love the Valyard because it really put the Doctor in check. The concept what? of the Valyard, or particularly as played by the by the brilliant Michael Jackson. All of the above, of course. Not only do I love the Trial of the Time Lord because it really showed the best of Colin and Michael, but I also have the uh, CD of uh, Trial of the Valyard. I oh, don't know. Yeah, if yeah, the sequel. That. Yeah, it I've is got that. one. Yeah. You've got to listen if you love Trial of the Time Lord, Trial of a Valyard of the Valyard is a wonderful sequel to it. It's still, it has the last, I think in um, play of Linda Bellingham. Linda Bellingham's in that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it really not only focuses on all three characters, it is just the three of them. If you, you know, if you get any big finish and you're big finish at their best, it works for me. It really works for me. So do you prefer then the humanoid opponents for the doctor rather than the lumbering monsters? Or do you just like it when they mix it up? I like it when they mix it up. I mean, I love the Weeping Angels in their original sense, which is what they would kill you by sending you back in time and living your life out while they feed it off the energy. Now that we've come up to the Flux uh, version, I'm like, uh, okay, we're overdoing it. You know, now we're giving I'm them... sure what they can do anymore. Yeah, we're giving them superpowers. Okay, you can't be touched twice in a row. Okay, yeah. I'm like, I'll accept that. Well, and... Contrivance, considerably worse damaging as well because yeah. these are perennial villains that have got so much longevity to them they've all been used so sparsely to that yeah it's a shame to fracture them to that to that extent i mean if you want to go in the timeless children that's kind of where i'm actually alluding to <laughs> <laughs> you can go there if you like when they did when they did the uh episode the the, the timeless children first of all dan you know me i don't turn off doctor who for any reason i could be oh. watching um fear her in the middle of it and i'll oh, and I'll pick it up and watch I'm it. exactly the same. I turned it off twice in series 12. Literally turned it off and would not watch it and got to the point where I'm not watching this again. The first time was Orphan 55. And the yeah. Earth moment reveal, I s turned it off and said, you people just stole the Ravelock story. You basically... direct lift, same story? That was the whole, you know, that was kind of the... It was started in um, The Mysterious Planet... But just like you only ripped it off, but these, the, uh, you know, this whole, this is a joke of an episode. Not only that, but I have to put in my head 
that the writings of today are now being compared or sit on a shelf in the in, in the in the final of things with Douglas Adams, Philip Hinchcliffe, Terrence Dix, all those people are going to be sitting with them. You do not belong here. It just doesn't work. You guys are still kind of new to this. And I, I, I mean, I was looking in the background of some of the writers. One of them was, um, I forgot who, which one, but I stopped looking when the person who was known for it was, they wrote a play about genital mutilation. I'm like, so where's the sci-fi coming in? <laughs> when the Timeless Children came up and I was screaming at the TV again, I was just like, what the heck is all this nonsense? Why are we? And I, I, I was trying not to use the word retcon, but it is a retcon. It is a big old retcon. It is a I big agree old completely. Thing. I turned it off, and when I was even doing the reviews, we normally do one through ten, one being bad, ten being good. I could not even give it a number. I was sitting there going, like, I have no idea what to rate this. I tried to pull it out as being its own episode. Try not to look at it. You probably if don't I, remember this, but you and I spoke within about 48 hours of that being on, and you said exactly the same thing. You said, I've got to score this episode. I don't know what... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I was like, I, I think I gave it a three. Here is where I feel this screwed up. You told Bruce Wayne he's been Superman the whole time. And I let people think about that. There is no Clark Kent. There is no Martha Martha Kent or anything like that. Bruce, you've had the power this whole time to fly, to go around, and stop all these criminals with your heat vision and whatnot. If it, Beautifully. Do you Beautifully. understand where I'm coming with this? I think all this talk of Orphan 55 and the Timeless Children, this is just a, a, a perfect time to go away and to freshen up <laughs> for a couple of minutes is what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, here's a, here's a little break. We're going to connect with all our friends at the Fandom Podcast Network across all those other shows. You're not going to want to miss all the brilliant court conversations that are going on across Star Wars, Star Trek, Highlander, all of that. It's all going on on the Fandom Podcast Network. And here's Kevin with a couple of minutes worth worth words about all of that. And then you can meet Christian and myself back here for more Doctor Who talk and more frequently asked questions. Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. We'd like to continue to feed your ears by inviting you to listen to these other great shows on the Fandom Podcast Network. It starts with our flagship show, Culture Clash, discussing the latest in entertainment pop culture. Blood of Kings, Immortals Take Notice, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theaters, where we celebrate our favorite movies. Time Warp, the fandom flashback podcast discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie and TV pop culture topics. Good evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock. Union Federation, our Star Trek and Orville show. Hair Metal, the 80s and early 90s rock metal podcast. Type 40, our show covering the time-traveling Doctor Who universe with host Dan Hadley. Lethal Mullet, an 80s and 90s action film podcast with host Adam P. O'Brien. Also check out the Lethal Mullet Network for more great podcasts. What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast with hosts Scott, Derek, and Nathan. Making Treks, a Star Trek podcast, a deep dive into the final frontier with host Mark Newbold and Adam P. O'Brien. And check out our newest shows, The Fandom Show, our monthly fandom podcast network live YouTube exclusive show about the month's hottest topics in fandom, and the FPN True Believers MCU podcast, discussing the Marvel Cinematic Universe 
and the related Marvel television and streaming MCU universe, including the connections to the original Marvel comics. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on several platforms. Please subscribe to the Fandom Podcast Network YouTube channel to receive notifications of new podcast episodes and live events. You can enjoy all of the Fandom Podcast Network audio podcasts on our master feed at fpnet.podbean.com. The Fandom Podcast Network is on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and iTunes. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. You can also find the Fandom Podcast Network on Instagram at Fandom Podcast Network and on Twitter at FanPodNetwork. Thank you for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom. Yes, we've teased and tantalized you there, and we can even clothe you too. There's merch to match all of those shows, including Type 40. If you head over to tpublic.com, search for the Fandom Podcast Network. I know, it's incredible. And you'll find a store full of all the team colors for all of those shows on everything from the T-shirts to phone cases, tapestries. Treat yourself, treat your other selves. And it all goes to support the Fandom Podcast Network into the bargain. So everybody wins, everybody. Back here with Christian Basil and his instrument of destruction. He hasn't dipped off in the Travelling TARDIS. He's yeah, here. Just... <laughs> <laughs> you found one. You got one of the, one of the fabled Capaldi Sonics. I, pay, I paid for this one in full price, and that hurt. I know you so did. I... You were looking for one for quite a while, weren't you, to complete your collection? Yeah, well, I mean, they used to be a friend of mine. Well, and these were like 30 bucks, and I also had uh, uh, 11s. And now Elevens is going for like 120 on Amazon. I'm just, jeez. And yes. given the fact that we know, we kind of know what your very, very favorite toys, toy is. Not that. We talk about the Traveling TARDIS. Have you got a house full of merchandise or are you quite careful about what you collect and what you commit to? What's your story with Doctor Who merchandise and collectibles? I begged my friends um, on one of my birthdays. I said, you can give me, they were looking for like Doctor merchandise for me. I said, please, whatever you do, do not give me a Funko Pop because it's a Pringles. <laughs> It's a Pringles. Once I get one, I need them all. I need a pop. I need this can't stop. There's hundreds so, of things. Uh, you could probably see it back there, but I'll bring up the few that I merchandise I have out there. I have Misty, uh, the Ninth Doctor. I also have like a uh, thing from Tron. There and there's a lot more stuff over here, but it's a mixture of Doctor Who, Red Dwarf, uh, and some other stuff out there. And now oh, I insane, have yeah. gone to Funko Pops because now I've got nine. I've got uh, Missy. I've got Carajun because I wanted something outside. And this one is the one that I enjoy the most because um, I noticed that here in the States, and this is, for me, I don't go by the ratings as much anymore. I go by the merchandise when it comes to the geekdom. Because yeah. everybody, when I hear the ratings come out, everybody's got a side to it. So if we listen to the people who are anti Joe, yeah, there is only one. There is only really one side. If if people watch it, the ratings go up. If they stop, they go down. Don't listen to any other argument. And my anger was also even dresses. Just like you know what? One of the things I looked for around Christmas time was the new episode of Doctor Who, and Chibnall took that away from me. Yeah, and put in a Halloween episode that had nothing to do with Halloween. It just had Halloween in the title. Other than that, there was nothing Halloween about that episode. Am I right? <laughs> oh, uh, the amount of people who feel the same way, I th we've got evidence to support the idea that Matt Smith feels the same way. Everybody who hears now about the fact that they've 
they gave up the Christmas special for a, for a New Year's special. Nobody can quite believe it, and nobody can understand the logic well, behind it. Here's the thing: why they were going like, "Well, we ran out of ideas," and I said, "You know what? I'm sorry. If the Lifetime Network can put out three ep- Christmas episodes every year, you can put out one at good, half decent episode. So bring them back. I don't care if you bring back the New Year's or the Halloween's. I, you know, have a holiday episode for every one of them. But the Christmas episodes really meant a lot to me. And then take them away and just make up the excuse we run out of ideas. It's like, well, then you got lousy writers. Try again. They were hardly drenched in Christmas as it was. There was, you know, there were yeah. there was prosthetic snow and the odd Christmas tune, and sometimes there was period dress, and that was largely it. So I do think it's yet again very disingenuous of Chris Chibnall to, to yeah, try and uh, pull to try and pull that one, basically. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. Well, so. Christian, you've conf- you've confessed to me your love of uh, Funko Pops there, which which has surprised me. I have to no, say, no, I don't have a love. Don't get that rumor spreading. I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want anybody um, getting me any more Funkos. I have no room for them. The Cara Dune one in particular, but that sort of leads me into the next yeah, question, yeah. really. Mm-hmm. Which other big franchises and characters are you a fan of? Red Dwarf. Definitely Torchwood. Well, I mean, if you consider them outside Torchwood, Sarah Jane. And... In, in any order. Yeah, just hit me with a few. Oh, God. Um, do they have to be so- geekdom or just something? Not necessarily. Like... Just something that you geek out about. Could <laughs> All be right. Here's some, weird thing. Here's weird, some weird ones. Deadliest Catch, Mysteries at the Museum. I've kind of lost my favor in TV because I just don't watch it. Do I watch Star Trek uh, Discovery? No, because there was a scene in it in one of the first episodes, and I... I it completely turned me off from ever watching the series again. I've been watching other YouTube content as opposed to stuff on the cable channel. I almost want to get rid of my cable provider because there, there seems to be no point. With the exception, maybe like uh, you know, I live in Florida, so I want to be I want to have twenty four hour news when a hurricane hits. I, I I don't even see the cable channels anymore. Well, yeah, times are changing. <laughs> all the time aren't they and yeah, you know, the not just the things that we watch but how we watch them and the people who make them seem to be the very last to catch on to the way the wind is blowing and how the tide has changed and uh, the fact that we are not the captive audiences that we once were we have much more options and we're able to think and choose for ourselves and i would say that forward thinking companies and creatives would see that as a challenge and, and seize it you know i can think of of writers and even production companies that do do that they stand out like sore thumbs we are going to drop you back soon but with with that in mind and moving forward looking specifically forward from as of time of recording we're in a very unique sweet spot and everything that's coming next we have a new home for Doctor Who with Bad Wolf Studios and that involvement from Sony. We've got Russell T. Davies back. We've got Judy Gardner in the mix. How are you feeling about where Doctor Who could go from from here? Are you uh, positive, negative, or somewhere quite neutral about it? Because it's very been a tiring. Neutral. It's been a tiring through few years, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's very neutral because it can go south even further. I've actually said beforehand when they brought in Jodie Whittaker and Chibnall. I thought it was a significantly good idea, and I even supported it. And it's like, oh, first female doctor, let's check it out. Because I remember Jodie Whittaker from a movie that I cannot stand, but she was the only good thing about the movie, <laughs> which was Attack the Block. I hated that movie. 
it, the characterization was so fun. <laughs> I, there, there's a scene in there. I, first of all, when it was advertised, it was advertised as a um, Nick Frost movie. I remember. I'm a big fan of Attack the Block, so I'm very interested to okay. hear what you got to say. It about. was just there was a scene in there, Dan, that just blew my mind. One of the kids uh, asked the the nurse uh, Jody, and the Jody goes, "Well, I'm planning on moving out. Um, it, it's getting too rough for me. It's not a nice neighborhood, or something to that effect." And the kid goes, <laughs> "What do you mean? It's a nice neighborhood. You're robbing her in her own apartment, making her do nurse stuff." out of shift <laughs> while the kid's bleeding in her room what the hell people were you thinking yes it's a bad neighborhood i would want to get the hell out of there here's the thing for me dan i should not be rooting for the aliens to kill the main <laughs> characters but you there i was and i Even was only... enjoyed that film i sort of was as well now here's my thing on this had jody interpreted the doctor the way she did that nurse in that movie, do you think she's very relatable in that film, wasn't she? Where was it in Doctor Who? I don't I don't know. I don't know. But you no get idea. it. You I, I told people I said Jody had an example okay, okay. in that movie and it never came on Doctor Who. I knew Chibnall had no idea what he was doing when he said, I'm not gonna have anything classic within the first season. That was a big mistake. If anything, whatever criticism you had of RTD and Moffat. They knew that they needed classic Whovians to come in and help because RTD had the chance to say, no, Christopher Eccleston's number one. No, he said he was number nine. And he brought him in because you can bring in the Daleks with the Weeping Angels. You can bring in the Centaurans with the Vashon Narada. You can bring in uh, the Cybermen with the Weeping, you know, the Weeping Angels and mix it up. And that's how you get the family going. You get the classic and the new to work together and have some great stuff. When he decided to go completely, I'm not going to go classic writers, all that, I'm going to go, I'm like, you really don't know where the ship's going, do you? The only reason why I liked him is because I love that YouTube video of him taking on John Nathan Turner and Pippin Jane Baker. So I thought, you know, I think he gets it. I think he knows where this is going. But I often question, what would the Chris Chibnall of then say to Chris Chibnall of now? What would he say into that? Would he be appreciative that the van, the fans are kind of de de decisive um de uh, divided on this which i put fully on chibnall and the one thing i took jody to task on was the um it was one of the magazines it starts with a v and she did that twitter thing where she read the bad tweet yeah that was that was the stylist magazine it's stylist i i thought lower of jody after that Maybe. I think she was certainly given some bad advice about whether to do yeah. that or not. Because this is, you know, people who were supporting go, yes, Queen. I've tried to be no. generous about that because it was a long time ago. But it, when you no, watch no, it no, back, it, not... it does look bad. It, it, it actually looks it, worse with time. It, 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 there's no generosity to that because she's attacking the fans. And that's where I draw the line. I don't care if somebody walks up to you. When I used to work in the theme parks, if somebody came off a ride, and they came up to me and said, this is the worst piece of crap I've ever been on. I hate this place. You know, you, your place sucks and I'm leaving. So there's one of two things that was the proper way to handle this. You either could just apologize and let it go. You could either apologize and say, what can I do to make things better? But now this third option of I can pick up a stone and hit that guest with them is now the option that everybody's elected to. Capaldi had fangirl pull out. 
you know, because we didn't have the younger doctor anymore, even though we were going back to what was classically what was happening before everything ends, because the girls didn't have any, didn't have that boyfriend anymore. They didn't have David Tennant. They didn't have Matt Smith. And even Christopher Eccleston could be pulled into that. They had the father figure, which we were getting back to, and the younger women were going, like, eh, he's wrinkly. I, I mean, I remember seeing the YouTube videos, yeah, people's so enemy stuff. Yeah. You know, nobody, he never went out and said, oh, you girls go, you know, whatever yourself. He was trying to advocate for the fans that had left, come on back, you know, try me out. And that, I think, was what the first episode that he had was Deep Breath at the very end. That scene where Clara where uh, 12 tells him just see me just see me as i am i'm the doctor a lot of people speak about that scene somebody mentioned it to me just two days ago that it had really stuck with them right it was the way it, it, it was to me what moffat was saying to the fangirls listen he's still the same guy he just you know he's a little older and i do know that some of those fangirls actually have the hots for capaldi he didn't criticize the fans and nobody did they just basically said hey give this guy a chance the scene well, as I mentioned, when I was going back into the Witchfinders, a scene where 13 says, if I was a man, this would be a lot easier, or something to that effect. I don't remember the line, and I, should, I need to watch it again. I, or, you know, they were alluding to that yeah, I remember. her gender was a problem the whole time. And I said, whoever wrote this, either A, is dumb, B, ignorant, C, all the above. Your whole yeah. M.O., Doctor Who, your whole purpose since the day you walked into the TARDIS and walked out of it for the very first time and ended up in that dump yard over by the Foreman dump yard, every single episode, even to today, has been you go into a, a, a location, you see something wrong, the bad guys go, no, we're going to stop you and kill you, and you have to fight the bad guys. Every time you try to correct something, that has been your OMO from day one. This is not something new for 13 in the middle of her run in her uh, in season 11. This has been Doctor Who. The doctor walks in, says, no, this is wrong. As a bloke, as a guy who got a wang, and the bad guy goes, <laughs> no. So whoever wrote that. I, I have no sympathy for you. Go, please. Whatever writers you have, RTD, go take them into a room. Show them some classic who. Lock them up. I don't care. And show them what the best of what they've got right now. That is the truth. And plus, I'll throw this in. Hey, Dan, do you remember an episode called, oh, The Demons? And one of the cliffhangers was John Pertwee? What were they going to do to him? Do you remember? You'll have to remind me. You'll have to jog my memory. They were going to burn him as a witch. It's oh, not yeah, the yeah. first time she was going to be burnt as a yeah, witch. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey. In, in, def in defense of Joy Wilkinson, who I think is a mediocre writer at best, she had a a yearning to tell a story about that particular time in, in history. And I do understand that. And uh, apparently it's something that she knows a lot about and she studied it, the actual real history of it. But I think that led her down, not a blind alley, but I think her keenness to tell that story, coupled with the, with her own ideology, her own political bent, spoiled, tainted what could have... That was quite a promising episode, I felt, out of the... You know, and series 11 is very, very slim pickings, but that is one that stood out 
as could have been something. And I think it's because there was all these things that were fighting their way under the under the duvet of that script. Mm-hmm. And she was indulging it all rather than thinking about the shape of the actual story and the truth of that it was meant to be the same character, just, just as you'd said. Joy isn't a, that an experienced writer. And so you have to wonder, not to let her off the hook completely, who was the script editor, who was the showrunner. Right. And the thing is, she knows about that time frame in Salem very well. She doesn't know anything about the Doctor, and that's where I'm chastising her. Because if she'd known, that doctor, the Doctor would never have said that line. It would have been somebody else. Now, I could appreciate if one of the girls said that, and that would have made complete sense. I would even back it up. But the Doctor saying it, though. Christian, you've been an excellent guest, sir. Excellent. <laughs> Give me an upgrade. <laughs> but that is the old girl starting up and calling time on another edition of Type 40. Uh, I know, I know. I'll be back with another one fairly soon. Look out for that wherever you found this. It could have been on the dedicated home feed for Type 40, type40.podbean.com. Maybe we rolled up in front of your very eyes on the podcatcher of your choice. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Google Play, Podbay. We're on pretty much all of them. You can find us here, of course you can, on YouTube, the world's largest streaming platform here on the Facebook channel. Plus, we're still on the fabulous Fandom Podcast Network's own master feed loaded with all those other treats for your ears pretty much daily. Uh, Please consider a sideways trip over to the Fandom Podcast Network for all those quality shows that Kevin was telling you about Mm -hmm. earlier on. Maybe you'd like to have your say about all of this about our discussion get in touch let us know what you think in the comments section or through our social media instagram and twitter at type 40 doctor who or email us at type 40 doctor who at gmail.com and if you're feeling really really brave <laughs> this is where you've got to brace them for it christian head over to facebook and join us in the type 40 facebook group that's been going around six years now and it's still full of generations upon regenerations of Doctor Who fans sharing both the classic and the new and speculating about the about the all new, about what could be to come in the not too distant future, swapping all those theories and whatever over in the Type 40 Facebook group. Okay, Christian, where can people catch up with you? Where can they hear you? When they, where can they see you and connect with you? You can find me on Facebook. We are now at 57,000 followers. Uh, it is facebook.com the traveling tardis and our goal um, we're actually trying to beat a uh, another podcast we're getting up there dan to another podcast that's been around forever uh the show rhymes with radio free scar <laughs> 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 uh, but we're closing in on yeah, i know those guys <laughs> i know those guys i mean like support everybody listen to everybody when when people asking one of the biggest questions about that there's a billion doctor who podcasts out there why why you why would should we listen yeah. to you and that's the hardest question every podcaster dan reasonable asked, question it's a reasonable question why why should we listen to you and i relate to this one story and this is why everything and this is why i think this is a very important message i'll make it quick when i was at one of the panels this was before uh jody whitaker was to be the doctor i was at a panel in south florida and I was hosting it. We were talking about Jodie Whittaker, expectations. Of there were two women in the back of the panel who said absolutely nothing, did nothing. 
and they waited until the end of the panel for everybody to leave. They came up to me specifically and they go, we want to talk to you. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm what have I trouble. done? How much what tax I do I owe? Exactly. Are you my ex-wife? <laughs> yes, exactly. They go, we trust you. We didn't say, because I was having people raise hands. Oh, do you like Jody? Yes. If you don't like Jody, no. If you are on the uh, on the edge, you know, raise your hand. Um, they said they were going to raise their hand because they didn't like the idea of Jody. When I go to panels and stuff like that, I'm, I'm telling the story because I'm bringing back that kid who put away that mm -hmm. Doctor Who costume in the closet. I love bringing in new people into my world of Doctor Who because this is what I love and I can share it now, years later. It's probably one of the only shows that can do that. But these two women were upset. I think this was around 2016. They said, we want to talk to you. We're not appreciative of it. And we, we don't like the idea of a female doctor. We don't want to say it because we were afraid that everybody would get to us. And I'm like, this is not acceptable. People should be able to say their opinions no matter if you agree with them, if you disagree with them, their opinions. And that should be the way it is. We're all fans, all love. Dan may say something. I may say something. We may totally disagree. But the fact is, after we're all done and we say it on the panel, we should be able to That's how fandom out. always used to be. Right, and we should be able to walk out to the pub next door, buy each other a beer, and appreciate that we're still fans, but we support something very wonderful. That should be across things, politics, well, you name it. This should be the way. But that should be not only a, a, a lesson for geekdom. It should be a lesson about life. Remember, we go to the conventions because we want to share our geekdom. We don't go in there to exploit or, you know, you know, we're, uh, not, we're not, the way I look at it, we're not going to church. Exactly. You know, we're not all sitting and praying to, to something, to, to the same deity. We're going there to connect with people and to, to exchange experiences and ideas and the things that have moved us for better or for worse. And there is no hard and fast. I mean, I disagree with people who say there's no canon. There absolutely is a Doctor Who canon. Don't be stupid. But there's no right or wrong way to take any of, it, any of it at all and that's why i you know I, i'm sure you you team would go out of our way to have to say if you are enjoying the current era or the era that's just wrapped up is wrapping up then of course we would never none of us i mean i, I don't know about yourself christian we haven't really spoken about this until this afternoon but i would imagine you feel the same as i do none of us would wish to take that away from anybody anybody out there who has enjoyed it. In fact, I'm quite pleased for them. I remember how that felt. Mm -hmm. I felt that that way for a very, 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 very long time. But all we expect is mutual, that mutual respect, that two-way street. But uh, yeah, you can check out Christian over on Facebook, on YouTube, all over social media, Legend of the Travelling TARDIS. He is materialising everywhere and you can catch it with me on twitter and instagram as the spacebook where i am posting ranting and raving and geeking out about all things sci-fi and fantasy and comedy and pop culture inside and outside of the tardis thanks again mate no, it's been you. a blast and thanks as always to you for listening and for watching we always have the time if you have the space here at type 40 but that is it for now we'll catch up with you soon bye bye
Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, is a space book production for the Fandom Podcast Network with music by Problem Being.